Welcome back to Caminantes. In this series of episodes, we will be speaking with artists who have been part of past Caminos festivals to talk about new work development and life after Caminos. This week, we talked to multidisciplinary artist of Indo-Caribbean descent, Jiv Parasram. He's currently based on the unceded Coast Salish territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations, as well as the waterways of the Stolo people, also known as Vancouver. He's a founding artistic producer of the one less fortunately titled Sociopolitical Collective Pandemic Theater and the artistic director of Rumble Theater. Recently, Jib was nominated for the Governor's General's Literary Award for Drama for his play Take the Milk, Na? Let's get started. Thank you for being on our podcast. We're so excited for you to connect with us from the other side of this country. And our first question is, Caminos is a work in process festival. Do you have any helpful tips for someone who's just starting to develop a new piece? What is a helpful tip or approach you wish you remember doing a development process of your own work? Yeah, uh, first, thank you for having me on your podcast. I think uh, something that I started using and has been immensely helpful, and I wish I, I knew about it earlier, is just uh, Excel. Uh, which uh, maybe it's because I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm a nerd, but like um, I started using Excel documents as a way to just track what the questions were um, for me in each piece, and like also like all right, what's the thing I want to say, and just like very simply put it out. Like I gotta get this thing in, I gotta get this thing in, I gotta get this thing in, and then also questions other people ask you about it in development process. But um, just tracking them in a spreadsheet itself, and then so that's one cell and or one column. Um, if people are visualizing a you know a beautiful Excel spreadsheet in your mind, close your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so that's one one. Uh, that's one column. The second column is uh, just like kind of the the notes to start expanding it, um, and then I have a scratch document. I call it uh, like in just a Google Doc, and I. I expand out basically from there to just fill out the parts. And then that way I can track back the whole system of like, oh, am I answering it? Even if I start cutting them up and moving them around after that. Mm -hmm. um, but then it's just assembling it. So it's like, it just makes everything so much easier and almost, I, I guess like it might feel counterproductive to like the artistic process, but I don't know, it's, it's really helpful. Yeah, that's amazing. And has it always been digital for you or have you ever like written it out? My handwriting's really bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like all my brother's handwriting, uh, well, my older brother's handwriting because they uh, they were in turn of that for a little bit and they made them like, you know, it was very, very diligent. Man, if mm. you see my parents too, um, like, but now I got, was, uh, was raised here and thus have like the writing of a child and, and they were like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Whatever, it's computers now. Give them a computer. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. That's important. Tracking your actual messy artistic process and putting it in charts. That's very pro. Very pro. Yeah. And learning Excel in the process, it's amazing for other job opportunities. So that's <laughs> a great tool. It's a real, it's a real good one. <laughs> yeah. What does a developing a new piece look like for you, Jiv? I'm seeing now that there is like a digital charting part of it but basically what is essential to your development process like is there some things that are like non-negotiable when you're starting a new project i mean like i 
I wish I could say that there was anything that was non-negotiable, but I feel like it's it, just the way that I uh, I can make stuff. It's it's often like off the side of my desk or it's um, like just trying to find some time here or uh, starting like very like underfunded. I guess like going mm -hmm. from that like point of uh, initial creation, right? Like, um, so it's all it's all pretty malleable. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I, I can negotiate pretty much anything uh, to fit into like, okay, what's the, how much time can we carve out for it? Um, that said though, it is just having like, uh, time to think and reflect. Usually what I, what I like to do is just like read a lot of like, uh, an idea I'm interested in and then try to think of ways to like, I don't know, just as simply as possible, communicate it, uh, simply and entertaining. Right. But like to a group of people. So that like the best thing it's, again, it's negotiable, but the best thing is when I can do that. I've got some time to like go walk around, think about it, um, make some of these notes, chart out some some maps of it, go back in and uh, have a couple of people who are collaborating with me. Um, like the collaborator thing, it's just so much better for me. Like I can do mm -hmm. stuff on my own, but it's not as good or fun uh, for me. And then that accountability to like go like, OK, here's here's the thing and then get initial feedback, like just complete takes on it and go like, great, I can take that, I can work with it. Um, and just keep honing its stuff down that way. Like it's the, if I can make that happen, that's the ideal process. But in lieu of it, just even the time to like saturate uh, in the idea. And then when I sit down to write it or, or however, it, it's just, it's more of a free flow, so. Yeah. Okay, I love how reading is a big part of that because you're like ingesting other people's art to like yeah. spill out your own. Mm -hmm. Is there a book you're reading right now that you're into? Okay, so weirdly, um, I actually, I, I'm not a big fan of reading, like especially like artistic material, like a script, I'll read a script, obviously, like right. I, I kind of like that part, but like I have a hard time with novels. I, I find them like, you know, more where people are like using the form. Yeah, I think they're great and I love to read excerpts of it and stuff, but not a big reader of that stuff. So I like I read a lot of like bizarre theories, uh, not like conspiracy theories, but like, um, you know, like uh, I, I read this book that was about uh, the is Isabel Wilkerson had a book that was about cast uh, and applying cast to uh, kind of a North American context of um uh, really like where you enter into an existing caste system and how it can it can be applied to race, uh, which it's, you know, makes a lot of sense to me. I've got this book over um, on my desk that I've been working from for a while. Um, it's called the Ramlila of Sandy Grandi. And it's like just like more of a it's a doc. It's this thing that was put together by like this community group, really, uh, the, like the committee that organizes this giant um, outdoor like multi-day uh, Alila, uh, so like uh, a 12 day telling of the Ramayan. And then they burn, it's basically the origins of Burning Man, I assume, because they just burned this massive effigy and like, but it's got like, well, it doesn't have like the script in it. It's got a lot of the, the how they organized around it and um, like kind of these, these cool notes about like the structure of the thing rather than, and like, so it's, it's a roadmap kind of to like creating it. So stuff like that, I like to just like, geek out on and and yeah. yeah oh that's so cool I, you're really giving painting a vivid picture for me it's not about fiction it's about like non-fiction <laughs> yeah i guess so yeah but but i'm interested in fiction like actually like you know if it's a short story type thing like i'm i'm, I'm into that like um 
I think fiction's more important right now, to be honest. I guess it's they're more like um, tools, uh, tools that I can apply, frames I can apply to to try to get stuff out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's what I I'm trying to do whenever I make something is like here's a way of looking at something, and that's all I can offer. And uh, otherwise, here's my snake oil. Give me your money, please, if you like. <laughs> Yes. Going back to talking about working process presentations, um, what is the impact of working process presentation for new work, like festivals like Caminos or other? I think it's super vital. In any case, I think like showing stuff to an audience like not fully developed is great. It, it If anything, it gives you the opportunity to be like, oh, is what's landing, what's not landing, what's working, what's fun for me, what's not fun for me, what's fun for them, you know? Um, and also seeing how much it holds up depending on um, how it's all presented. Like, you know, I I think doing uh, like a very dedicated uh, work in progress showing um, like is pretty cool. Um, but like what you get at like development festivals like Caminos is multiple things happening that are adapting to um, basically the stages, like the stages are set up to support a lot of variety of stuff happening. So you're, you're always, you're never going to get like the full realized aesthetic by design. And that's great. So you can only do the essentials of mm-hmm. it. Like only like mm-hmm. this is cause I, like, I don't have the full control of the theater. Uh, I'm fitting into what is around me. And so you, you test that material in someone else's, um, design of a, a vibe and that's, amazing and you're doing it kind of like with other people at the same time so you you're part of this night yeah i love that stuff i think it's i think it's the best way to to develop stuff for sure well you were at caminos in 2017 with 20 minutes of take de milk na mm-hmm. and uh it's just it's gone all over the country now it's been turned into plays and podcasts and it's been performed in toronto and uh, vancouver and it's a published play which is very cool so that's a lot of um kind of reinterpretations of of like this idea a lot of yeah yeah um and our question is what i mean what is the process of adaptation for you especially when it comes to taking like a live show and making it into a podcast Mm. and then also this a, a text like they're so different I mean, it's again, like it's it's just adapting to the form as best as I can through the logic of it. Um, so that show, I think, was built in a way that was it's it's relies on a live audience, which I guess, you know, you obviously could say about like most or all live performance. Right. So there's nothing like, oh, cool. Now it needs to be in a theater because it's a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's some like audience interaction stuff that's just like that's not going to work um, in the same way. Apparently I've talked to people who've heard like the, the podcast version and, and they're like, Oh, actually it, this is how it worked for me. Uh, so um, it wasn't like the most thought out thing. We didn't have that much time. This was also early pandemic. I think it was like, I had just flown back to Vancouver cause, and um, mm-hmm. then, and it was recording uh, like just in my room before, like, just like, Oh, we have a USB mic. Thank God. Like there's something, you know, but uh, <laughs> like, back when you couldn't even order anything like if it mm-hmm. was like oh we're gonna record this thing it's like well maybe i should try to like you but like amazon didn't work or yeah. so, like at that point uh i mean they're evil anyway so that's that's probably for the best but <laughs> yeah so the adaptation thing just being quick and just being like real with it like it's like there's parts in the podcast where it's like hey guys this is a podcast and that what works well in that show is that it's like 
that's the format. It's just me kind of being like, what's up? Here's some things I think. So it's very, so just addressing like how limited the form is at times and, yeah. and acknowledging that it's kind of funny that way. But then also figuring out how to structure it, like a podcast thing, because it's episodic usually, like that's a little bit difficult in figuring out like, well, okay, how can we break this up in a way that is logical and, and had some control over that in, in the way that's broken up. Um, and Play Me was super supportive about it, which was good. And we were like quite, quite invested. Yeah. And similarly, like in, in print too, like there's basically the thing that people uh, remember and talk about from Take a Milk mainly is there's a part where the audience is separated. And so you have to self-identify and then separate. So how to even do that in print was kind of just to adapt to like page flipping um, so that there's time to like make the decision for yourself. And mm. so, yeah, just, just rolling with it, I guess. Mm-hmm. They're all approximations, I guess, mm-hmm. is the thing. Like a running theme in this uh, series has been some artists talking about perfectionism and how that like really just doesn't serve them. And at a certain mm. point, you just have to like, it is an approximation. We're just going to say we're done now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's about as far as it goes. Like, I, I don't, I think everything is like constantly in process. Like, I was listening to the one uh, where I was talking about that too. Like, everything is constantly in process. Mm-hmm. Um so why, why, why try to pretty it up? I guess I don't know. I'm I'm pretty, I'm pretty chill with that stuff. I'm not. I don't have much uh, towards the like preciousness of of the art form. Take notes, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a question about like what what was the journey from the presentation at Caminos to a full end presentation? And I know that's like a broad question, but yeah, yeah. it can be like, what was your journey? Well, it's um. So by the time it had gone to Caminos, it had uh, it had started a storytelling night that um, that Graham, uh, who's who's one of the co-creators with me, uh, had organized, and and it wasn't really going to be a show at that point. After that, then B Current had uh, a rock paper scissors festival. So again, these development festivals, right? It basically this did a development festival circuit: rock paper scissors festival, um, Caminos, and then the monsoon festival in Surrey. And then, and it was kind of, was able to like add, you know, five minutes here, add like another five mm. minutes there. And then back into development to, to try to expand it out to a production. And, but all of it was basically just that cow story that's at the top of it. So it's kind of like the first half of the play, which is the, and then in the structure of the play is to kind of then use it as a fake out and go into some other stuff. All that stuff was from us trying to expand out the story uh, of the cow thing and just being like, oh, I hate this. This is just sentimental identity play bullshit. Like it's fucking stupid. And again, having a collaborator around, like Tom was in the room at that point um, when we were at TPM and I was banging my head on the ground, like literally banging my head on, on the, the backspace uh, floor. It's <laughs> being like, this is fucking like, I, I have no problem with the story. I'm glad people like it, but like, it's not a play. There's nothing, there's no political challenge. There's nothing going on. It like, it's it's nice, but like, fuck it. Like the play is about nothing. And then Tom was like, oh, okay, cool. Whatever about, I like that though. The play is about nothing. Let's kind of go into it. And then it was like, and then we kind of made the rest of it. Like we basically, we got kind of far, like in the rest of that workshop, we kind of got to the point where it was like, I don't know, man, I'll start saying my name a lot, which is <laughs> part is just me saying my own name, <laughs> but, and I guess like figuring out the the clown turn of it or whatever that part is. Mm. And then the whole other parts to put in, I basically just turned out in like on a, on a streetcar, uh, like two or three weeks later in note form, but like basically like had it, it just again it kind of flowed out and it was like let's fucking try this man i don't know 
Ugh, I love those stories. Yeah. Just like the weirdest corners, things just come out. Yeah, I think this is a great time to ask a question from our previous guest. So the guest mm. we just spoke to in the last episode is Ahmed Moneka, who's like an actor, musician here in Toronto from Iraq. And he had this question for you. What do you think about the shift we're witnessing in our lifetime from in-person to digital performance? And what is your response to that as an artist? It's a good question. I mean, I thought about it a lot. Uh, and and um, with Rumble, we've been like actively like still doing stuff the whole time. So we've um, I've gotten a chance to do some some different mediums, I guess you could say, between that and a couple other gigs. Um, I will say um, on a certain level, I fucking hate it. Uh, <laughs> I think it sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but on the other level, like the the more the interconnectedness, like the ability to uh, like um, have these like more international uh, or national, regional, whatever conversations that we can have more people actually participate in, like and and people who couldn't necessarily go to theater before, uh, uh, like that's good. That's great. Like, I, I think that the accessibility of stuff and I think um, us like rolling it with the form of like it might not be perfect but we're trying this and evolving it. That's exciting to me. Um, but honestly, like as an approximation, I suppose, it's it's not a good one. It's, yeah. It's awful. It's awful for me. It's good to be honest, Jiv. Yeah. Do you have a question for our next guest who could be an artist anywhere across the Americas just to keep this combo going? Yeah. Uh, okay. So I was thinking about this. And so I'm curious about how you define uh, your community around you, community or circles or audience or however you view it, what is the definition for for you there? And what is your accountability to them in that relationship? Uh, like, what do, you, what do you give them? What do you get back? How's that work for you? That's a really good question. <laughs> Can't wait to ask it. If you want to know the answer, please listen to our next episode. <laughs> Do you have a memory that you cherish from your time at the Caminos Festival that you want to share with us? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I guess the memory is more like it's less about a specific uh, like incident or anything, but it's just like the it's the the vibe, right? Like, it's the fact that it's it's a party. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, come to this artistic development festival. Yeah, you'll see these works in progress. But it's like a party that like it's it was it's you you can you would want to have to line up to get tickets to it like if anything like even if you didn't like the like if you didn't like the performance like there's like the the after party kicks ass too and and that kind of gathering um that kind of like makes of people where it's like hey also the people who came to your show weren't just coming to experience a deep artistic thing that you have spent like, you know, the past two, three weeks, like delving into, it's like, they're also there to party and have a good time. So it's just a wicked vibe. And that's like, for me, like when I think about Caminos at all, it goes back to that. It's like, this is wicked. These people are in the audience and then we all get a party with each other later. So we're, it's kind of, it's kind of equalized in a little bit. It's, it's fun. I miss that too. And it's been really fun to just do this podcast and connect with people one-on-one and like um, yeah. have a little tiny, just like meaningful moment with people. This has been significant. Like this has been fantastic. Like I was listening to a bunch of them and just like the way that's like people are like putting them in conversation with each other and stuff. It's like, great. This is, 
this is the kind of stuff like my, like that I'm excited about with people doing podcasts and like some less than like digital plays and stuff. Mm -hmm. This kind of conversation, because like all I do uh, is just walk around and listen to podcasts like uh, that's my only yeah. luxury. We are speaking to you from the shores of this beautiful Zaga Igan, known to some as Lake Ontario, in Toronto, or Dagorondo. This is the ancestral territory of the Haudenosaunee, or Longhouse Confederacy, the Anishinaabek Nation, the Wendat, and the Mississaugas of the Credit. This land is covered by the Dish with One Spoon Wampum and Treaty 13, also known as the Toronto Purchase. Araluna. We remember that people can begin to heal when they are hurt. We are committed to artful participation in disagreements. We are committed to unsettling ourselves towards connection, respect, and justice for all people who now live in this city, which has been a meeting place since time immemorial. Radio Aluna Teatro is produced by Aluna Theatre with support from the Toronto Arts Council, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, the Department of Canadian Heritage, and TD Bank. Aluna Theater is Beatriz Pisano and Trevor Shellness with Sue Ballin. Radio Aluna Theater is produced by Monica Garrido and Camila Diaz Varela. For more about Aluna Theater, visit us at alunatheater.ca, follow at Aluna Theater on Twitter or Instagram, or like us on Facebook. Miigwech and Nyawangoa.